Thank you for listening to Devoted. We meet every week on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. at Calvary Chapel, East Anaheim. A couple of announcements, though. Uh, one, uh, we have coming up in December, uh, obviously, uh, it's the Christmas season. We have our Christmas party planned for December 19th. So it's the Tuesday right before Christmas. So I'm excited about that. We're kind of starting to think through, you know, how we're going to do that. And um, I am certain that we'll have a lot of fun and it'll be a really great night. Part of that, we will have a white elephant gift exchange. Uh, Does anybody here not know what a white elephant gift exchange is? So the white elephant, I'll just explain it anyways, is where everybody brings a new wrapped gift uh, without a name tag on it or that. And we put them all kind of on a table and we draw numbers. And then the first person gets to go and pick a gift and open it. And then the second person goes and picks a gift and opens it. Or no, no, no. Before they pick a gift and open it, they could decide, I want to either take what the first person had or pick a gift. And... You kind of go through the, the whole way that way. And so it's a lot of fun. Um, it's the one time I encourage Christians to steal. Um, so, it, you know, we've had a few years where it was kind of like, it was kind of boring. I'm like, you guys are too good. Like, you know, everybody's afraid to take the gift because they're going to offend the other person or something. And it it was just, uh, yeah. So, but it, it'll be fun. Well, it'll be a great night. Uh then the following week would be the 26th, so the day after Christmas would be a Tuesday. Uh, we'll meet in some capacity. We're, we're still thinking through. Uh, we'll do some kind of fellowship activity or something like that. Uh, that'll be fun. So if you have any ideas or suggestions for that, uh, yeah, you can submit them to us, and we would uh, consider them. Uh, we'll also, at some point during the month we'll go and do a walk around east lake and look at the christmas lights and stuff like that so there's a whole lot to be excited about coming up in the christmas season um but tonight i want us to open our bibles to psalm 100 psalm 100 this is a a psalm of thanksgiving and uh i don't want to miss this opportunity for us uh, to talk about Thanksgiving and the need to give thanks. It's, it's just too, too important. It, it really is. Um, every year I need to remind myself of these, myself of these truths. And it's convicting when you just see all that the Bible has to say about giving thanks. And it makes me feel really inadequate about it and, and convicted. And uh, I'm like, I need to do a better job of it. And, and I think if we're all honest, uh, we would all say that, you know what, we do need to, to do a better job at this. And it starts with being in his word and being reminded about why we need to give thanks and all that giving thanks does for us. So I think it's super important that we're reminded about these things every year. And uh, I'm praying that God will do that tonight and spur us on to be more thankful because we'll be better Christians if we're more thankful Christians. Also, we're studying spiritual warfare. Uh, that's where we're at in the book of Ephesians. You know, I was all prepared to teach on Ephesians 6 and the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness tonight, part of our spiritual warfare or spiritual armor. And God was like, no, 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 you need to talk about Thanksgiving because this is an essential part of spiritual warfare. It really is. 
the more that we're thankful and the more that we're recognizing what God's doing in our life, uh, the better we're going to be prepared to handle the attacks of the enemy. I, I guarantee that. But let me read Psalm 100 and pray for us. And uh, we'll go ahead and get into ways that we could give thanks, how we could be more thankful. Psalm 100 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us, and we, not ourselves, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his, thank, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. God, we do thank you. We thank you that you're God. You're a gracious, compassionate, loving God. A God who saves us, Lord, a God who doesn't impute iniquity. And we are so thankful for you and everything you did to redeem us and to place us in Christ, Lord. And, and we want to glorify you. And we know a big part of that is, is being thankful. We, we recognize that we aren't as thankful as we need to be. And so I pray tonight you would teach us and inspire us and encourage us so that we can uh, be the type of people you'd want us to be, which is thankful people, Lord. So uh, speak to us, encourage us, edify us, comfort us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, yeah, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is a monumentous theme throughout the Bible. In fact, there's over 160 times where the theme of Thanksgiving is talked about or written about in the Bible. It, it literally, from the beginning to the end of the Bible, it is encouraging thanksgiving. The children of Israel, they had a special sacrifice that was the thanksgiving offering. It was a, a, a sacrifice that they were to offer to God to express their thanks for God saving them and God being with them and working in their life. There's entire psalms like this one dedicated to thanksgiving. David even had an order of the Levites that he made into professional givers of thanks. Their whole job was just to give thanks continually in the temple. In 1 Corinthians 16.4, it says, He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord, even to celebrate and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. That was their job. They just give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. The Babylonian Talmud, which is kind of a commentary on the Old Testament scriptures from the time that they were in Babylon, the, the rabbis, they forbid anybody from enjoying any type of pleasure from the world until they first offered a blessing to God who had provided it. The, the Talmud viewed the blessing as a means of thanks because pleasure is only made available through God's goodness and love. See, so the rabbis recognized if there was any goodness, if there was any blessedness in your life, it was because God put it there, and we needed to bless God and give thanks for that. And I wholeheartedly agree. You know, there was this businessman in Texas uh, back in the day, and, and he tried to copyright a book. And he, he, he wrote this book. He kind of 
you know, is a smart guy. And, uh, and, and he, he wrote this book and the title of it was a million things. And you open up the book and it had hundreds of pages and it just had the word thanks over and over and over again. So he could give it to his friends and, you know, his colleagues and things like that is, is kind of a joke. But the, the people that oversee the copyrights, they said, no, you, you can't copyright this. You, you can't copyright the word thanks because it's a universal thing. It, it can't just apply to one person. Everybody, everywhere needs to give thanks. This doesn't come naturally for us, though. Whenever Thanksgiving comes around, I think of my little cousin, or he was little a long time ago when, when I'm thinking about this story. But at the time, he was five or six years old. Uh, he was autistic, so uh, we'll give him a little bit of a slack. But we were trying to teach him about Thanksgiving and teaching him everything that implies a Thanksgiving and why it's important to give thanks and things like that. And whenever the word Thanksgiving came about, he would say, no giving, mine. And, and, and I know that, that it's kind of cute and it's kind of a joke. My family likes to joke about it, but I think it demonstrates our nature very, very well. Our, our fallen nature is inherently selfish. And the very last thing that we want to do is give. We don't like giving anything, much less giving thanks. So tonight we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. I'm going to talk about some basic principles about Thanksgiving. We're going to look at Psalm 100 and pull out some principles from Israel's worship. And then we're going to look at a couple of New Testament examples of Thanksgiving as well. So I entitled this message, Thank Him. For letter A, fill in the word essential. We need to see Thanksgiving as an essential to our walk with Christ. As I pour over the scriptures and everything that the Bible has to say about Thanksgiving, I see more and more how essential practicing Thanksgiving is to our walk with Christ. I don't know if you've realized we aren't fully thankful uh, for our stewardship. Or we're, we're not fully faithful in our stewardship of anything until we've given thanks. It, it, it's true. Think about the 10 lepers. Remember, there's 10 lepers, and they're crying out to Jesus for healing. And Jesus tells them, hey, you know, go and, and, and show yourself to the priests, and, and, and you'll be healed. And, and they left, and on their way, they, they were healed of this leprosy. And remember, only one of them came back and gave thanks. There was only one of them who was fully faithful with the stewardship of this disease that the Lord had given them because he had actually thanked God for the healing that God had provided. So if we're going to be faithful in any area, with any blessing, with anything that God's entrusted to us, giving thanks is going to be a part of it. Number one, giving thanks is an expression of faith. Fill in the word faith. If we really think about it, thanking God for something presupposes a couple of things. It presupposes, first of all, that God exists, that, that he's real, that he's God. And secondly, that, that he is the source of that blessing. He is the one that is blessing us or working on our behalf. Right? I'm not going to give credit for something in my life, something I have, something that happened to me, to someone I, I don't believe doesn't exist. That doesn't make any sense. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. 
So our very act of giving thanks is expressing faith that God is real and that God is the source of our blessing. In fact, it's this giving thanks for the way that God is working on our behalf that separates us from the non-believers, according to Romans chapter 1. Remember Romans chapter 1, it's talking about how God's wrath comes upon the world and how God gives people over to sin in a greater and greater capacity because even though they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks. Right? They, they expressed no faith that God was real. They weren't thankful that God was working on their behalf. And this is going to continue to grow as our society continues to crumble. I, I'm sure that we're seeing a lot less thankfulness in the world. And the Bible predicts that. Paul talks about in the last days how things are going to be. And part of it is, is people aren't going to be thankful. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a firm of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. Part of what's going to describe the reprobate nature of society is people are going to be ungrateful. They're unthankful. And did you catch this? Paul even says that some of them are going to have a form of godliness. Some of them are going to call themselves Christians. But the way that you're going to be able to differentiate, one of the ways a, a real Christian from a make-believe Christian is the real Christian's going to be a thankful Christian. They're going to be giving thanks. Thanks is going to be a part of their vocabulary. So we need to give thanks. Number two, giving thanks turns the mundane into worship. So fill in the words mundane and worship. We're commanded over and over in Scripture to give thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul says, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for your life. There's not many places where you could go in Scripture where God explicitly says, This is my will for you. And one of them here says, This is my will, is that you're thankful, that you are giving thanks. And giving thanks really could transform everything in life. It could take the most simple task in our life and turn it into an act of worship. Paul says in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So this is presupposing that we could do everything to God's glory and we could give thanks for everything to God's glory. You know, with giving thanks, I turn eating an ordinary meal into an act of worship. With giving thanks, we could turn our, our drive to work or taking out the trash or going to sleep at night into acts of worship. If we're thankful and we're truly living this, giving thanks for all things out, everything that we do becomes an act of worship. Because then we start to see God is with us in everything. He, he, he's empowering us to do everything. He's supplying everything. He's working everything for our good. And, and, and we're just thankful. Thanks just wells up inside of us. And everything becomes an act of worship. 
Next, fill in, giving thanks protects us from other sins. So fill in the word protects. You know, if I'm thankful for someone, I'm probably not going to stay angry with them very long. If I have a heart full of gratitude, I'm probably not going to become prideful. If I'm thanking God, I'm not going to attribute my blessing to my own goodness. If I'm a thankful person, I probably won't be discontent or be covetous. I'll be thankful for what I have. You know, James says that the, the tongue is, it's a fire. It's a, it's a world of iniquity. It could just destroy. It has the power of life and it has death, right? And, and it needs to be controlled. Well, one of the ways that we could prevent our mouth from speaking death and and discouraging and hurting people is to just fill it with praise and thanksgiving. Ephesians 5, 4 says, And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. You see, if we're giving thanks, it's hard to cuss somebody out and be thanking God for them at the same time. It just doesn't work. I say this a lot because it's true. Sometimes our best Defense is a good offense. The way that we're going to not let the enemy come and continually attack us is to be on the offense, be doing what you're supposed to do. Perhaps one reason it's God's will for us to be thankful is it just it's really good for us. It really is. Not just on a spiritual level, it helps us on a, a physical level as well. Listen to this. The 2009 study again showed that being thankful can improve your life. At the University of California, Davis, Professor Robert Emmons said, those who offer gratitude are less envious and resentful. They sleep longer. They exercise more. They report a drop in blood pressure. Emmons is the author of the book, Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier. In an earlier book that describes gratitude as a new science, uh, he says, you can't be depressed and grateful at the same time. It makes a person physically, mentally, in every way, healthier, giving thanks. It's just good for us. Next, uh, we can and should give thanks in difficult times and places. Fill in the word difficult. I love the book of Daniel. It is amazing to me. And Daniel, you know, he has, it's almost like a Joseph story. It's like things just go from bad to worse with Daniel. He's taken from Judah at about the age of 14 years old. He's taken captive to Babylon. He's then indoctrinated into everything Babylon. And, you know, it's just he's put in trials and difficult places. Everybody's hating him because God's with him and blessing him and all of this. And they're out to get him. The, the, the people that he's working with, they're like, hey, we, we, we got to catch this guy, Daniel. And so now they, they, they pass a law. They, they coerce the king into passing a law saying that you can't pray to anybody but the king for 30 days. And if you do, you will be thrown into the lion's den. And listen to what Daniel, it says that he does when he hears this. Daniel 6.10, now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees 
three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. You know, it's pretty much the worst day of his life, and he's saying, you know what, I'm going to give thanks. Yeah, they're trying to kill me. They passed this law just because of me. They want to see me destroyed. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to keep doing what I've always done. Now, I'm going to admit it's harder to give thanks in difficult situations. That's something that's easier read than done, right? I mean, that's not easy to do. But I think it's really a matter of perspective, right? Daniel was able to do that. Joseph was able to be thankful in difficult situations. Jesus was, Paul was, because they had the right perspective. They were seeing things from heaven, not from earth. Bible commentator Matthew Henry, this famous commentator, he wrote a commentary on the whole Bible. He writes in his journal after being robbed. He said, let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before this. Second, because although they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it wasn't very much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed, not I was the one robbing. Right? There's always a, a silver lining that we could find, right? That there's always something that we could be thankful for. There was this one preacher named Dr. Alexander White in Edinburgh, and he was really famous. Really, really what set him apart was the prayers that he would offer from the pulpit uh, on Sunday mornings. And, and everybody was just so shocked at how positive he was. He was always positive, always had something positive to thank God for. And there was this particularly brutal storm, you know, and snow, everybody snowed in, it's cold, hardly anybody came to church. The few people were there were like, I think this is the week, you know, is it going to have something to be thankful for? But White gets up into the pulpit and he says this, we thank thee, God, because it's not always like this. Right? Yeah, today is hard. Yeah, I'm going through something I'm like, don't like. But I'm thankful that that's not every day. That's just today. You see, he had the right perspective. You know, in the middle of probably the hardest trial, the biggest loss that anybody has ever faced in the history of the world, Job says these famous words. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, I don't think Job was thanking the Lord for killing his kids. He wasn't thankful that his kids were dead. No. But he was able to see those silver linings. He was thanking the Lord for the time that he did have with his kids. He was thanking that they were now with the Lord. He was thankful that they're now whole and, and healthy, that they are in a better place. Now, I know a lot of us, the holidays can be a really difficult time. That there's been some kind of loss in our life. And, and it's just hard to be full of joy. You see everybody else, families together, full of joy, celebrating. And it just kind of highlights that I don't have that. I'm missing something. There's been this loss in my life. My encouragement is to find things that you can thank God for concerning that loss. Look for those silver linings. 
Thank God for the time that you had with that person. Thank God for who that person was. Thank God that they're completely healed now, that they're in heaven with him. Thank God that you don't have to grieve as those who have no hope that you're going to be reunited with them at the rapture. You see, I believe God wants some of us by faith to turn this season of grief into a a season of thanksgiving. I, I believe that if we could do that, God will work just miracles in our life. Dr. David Soper in God's is inescapable, his book, suggests that basically the difference between a prison and a monastery is just the difference between griping and gratitude. Undoubtedly, this is true. In prison, criminals spend every waking waking moment griping. Self-imprisoned saints spend every waking moment offering thanks. David Soper, or Dr. Soper, says that when a criminal becomes a saint, a prison can become a monastery. And when a saint gives up gratitude, a monastery may become a prison. So it's up to you. Do you want to be in a monastery? Do you want to be in a place of worship? Or do you want to be in a prison? It depends on your attitude. Number five, we could give thanks for God's providence. Fill in the word providence. Right? We don't like where we're at. We, 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 don't, we don't like what's going on. It hurts. I'm grieving. But I know God's working. I know God's providentially working on my behalf. That word providence, it, it means literally to, to, to see beforehand. But it goes beyond that. It's not just seeing beforehand. It, it, it carries the idea of, uh, of seeing beforehand because he's the one that wrote the script. See, God knows the end from the beginning because he wrote the end from the beginning. And, and, and we know where that end is going. It's going towards good. It's going towards glory. So, so we can give thanks for all things. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, 28, that God is working all things together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. Listen to this. Corey Tin Boone in The Hiding Place relates an incident that taught her always to be thankful. She and her sister Betsy had just been transferred to the worst German prison camp they had seen yet, Ravensbrück. Upon entering the barracks, they found them extremely overcrowded and flea-infested. That morning, their scripture reading in First Thessalonians had reminded them to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. Corey at first flatly refused to give thanks for the fleas. But Betsy persisted, and Corey finally succumbed to her pleadings. During the months spent at the camp, they were surprised to find out how openly they could hold Bible study and prayer meetings without guard interference. It wasn't until months later that they learned the reason the guards would not enter the barracks was because of those fleas. The very thing that she hated that was the source of her discontentment and uncomfortableness was the thing that was allowing her to do what she really wanted to do. God was providentially working around that. And, and, and we have that promise that God's going to work all things together for our good and for his glory to make us like Christ. And sometimes we just, we don't have a good enough view of that. We're not far enough away to see all that he's doing. So we can give thanks that he is providentially in control, that he is providentially working this for good, even if we can't see it. Number six, we will be giving thanks forever. So we might as well start now. 
right? Thanks is what we're going to be doing in heaven. Revelation 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces, and they worshiped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. These 24 elders, they're the representatives of the church in heaven. They have their glorified bodies. This is the tribulation period. They're there with the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And what are they doing? They're giving thanks. They're giving thanks to God. You know, giving thanks is one of those activities that allows us to experience a little bit of heaven, a little bit of eternity here on earth. If you think about it, if giving thanks is worthy of occupying the airways of heaven, occupying the ears of God in heaven, how much more so is it not appropriate to give thanks here on earth as well? Now I kind of want to shift focus and look at Psalm 100 and see what we could learn about thanksgiving from Israel's worship. So fill in Israel's for letter B. We can learn thanksgiving from Israel's worship. I'll go ahead and read Psalm 100 again. It's a pretty straightforward psalm. I'm not going to exposit the whole thing, but there's some truths that we could pull out. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and we not ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 100 has a distinct place in the Psalter in that it is the lone psalm called the Psalm of Thanksgiving. There's many psalms about thanksgiving. But this uniquely bears that title. In fact, Psalms 93 through 99 are also about thanksgiving. Some expositors call Psalm 100 the the doxology of of the thanksgiving psalms. And for this reason, this 100th psalm was a special psalm. It, It was a liturgical psalm. It was a psalm that would be sung in corporate worship by the children of Israel. Like I said, it's short and straightforward, but there's a few points of application that we could pull out. The first one is, is God commands thanksgiving. There's seven verbs in these five verses, and every seven verb, all seven of these verbs are imperative. God is literally commanding us to be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. You might say that's the Old Testament. That's the old covenant. That maybe that was just for Israel to get together and, and, and corporately give thanks for that. Might I remind you, Paul says in First Thessalonians 5:18, in everything give thanks. This is the will, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And and that too is an imperative mood. It, 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 God is commanding us to be thankful. You know, we have that picture of the mom commanding her little kid to say thanks, give thanks, tell him thank you. 
in a real sense, that's a picture of what God is telling us and commanding us to do as well. Number two, Thanksgiving is for everyone. Look at verse one. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. So not only does God command Thanksgiving, but he commands it from all the earth. We already mentioned Romans 1 verses 20 and 21 and saw that God's wrath or judgment on unbelievers in part is because they are ungrateful. They're unthankful. Uh, James 1.17 says this, Every good thing given and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. It doesn't matter who you are. Anything good that's coming down, if anything good in your life, it's because God put up there and you need to give thanks for it. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount that God is good to the just and the unjust, right? He, he causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God's common grace extends to everybody. Every person on the earth has reasons to give thanks to God, and God desires that they do so. To not express thanksgiving is to express unbelief. And we're to be joyful. We're commanded to be joyful, actually. Shout joyfully, the psalmist says. You know, a thankful heart is a joyful heart. It, it, it really is. If we want to increase our joy, we need to increase our thanksgiving. Right? We study this in Ephesians 5, right? They're both evidences that we're spirit-filled. When we're filled with the Spirit, we're going to joyfully worship God. That's the first evidence. The second is, is that we're going to give thanks for all things. So I guarantee you, if we start with thanksgiving, our hearts will be full of joy. But if we wait till we're joyful to give thanks, well, how often do you think that'll happen? You know, the theme of the book of Philippians is really how to have joy. 19 times Paul says, talks about joy or to rejoice in four chapters. Almost five times a chapter is mentioning something about joy. And what's interesting to me is if we look at that letter and in the same four chapters, look at how much Paul is giving thanks for. He's constantly giving thanks. And look at his circumstances. He's in prison and he's giving thanks. Right? So, so, so that wasn't an excuse. Some even say that Philippians is a missionary support letter where he's thanking his sending church for their support. And, and, and all that to say is, if you want to have more joy, if you're looking to add joy to your life, it begins with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is going to be a huge part of it. Number three, worship is an action of or an act of thanksgiving. Fill in worship. Look at verse two. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. You're asking, how did you get worship out of this? Well, there's two different acts of giving here in verse two. Right? There's two different ways that giving is being expressed. Right, Serving God and praising God. And I want to suggest that these two acts, serving and praising, aren't distinct 
from thanksgiving. You see, I believe that service and praise is an act of thanksgiving because they're really done in a response to what God has done for us. We show that we are thankful God showed mercy to us by showing mercy to others. We show that we're thankful for Christ dying for us by dying to ourselves. God gives to us so that we could give and bless others is the idea. Right in, in the book of Romans, Paul spends eleven or uh, yeah eleven chapters explaining all that God's done for us. It's all theology. It's it's all about who God is, how God saved us, just all these blessings of God. It's kind of like the first three chapters of Ephesians, but then you get to verse twelve or chapter twelve, verse one, and he says, "Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your." spiritual service of worship. In other words, because I've done all of this stuff for you, now you're going to live out worshiping me this way, with sacrifice, with thanksgiving. I think Bless Fest is a, a, a great example of this, right? We are so thankful to God for everything he's done for us, all the ways he's blessed us. So we spend a day expressing that thanks by blessing others, by serving others, ministering to others. And it's such a blessing to us at the same time. Number four, to be faithful in thanksgiving, we must spend time in his presence. On the word presence. Verse two says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joy and singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his holy name. And these verses, the children of Israel, they're coming to the tabernacle or temple to meet with the Lord through a free will peace offering or thanks offering. It's a corporate thing. They're all coming to meet with the Lord together to worship him by giving thanks. This thanksgiving offering we could find in Leviticus 7 verses 10 through 19. And what was unique about this sacrifice in general was it was a sacrifice that was to be consumed by the priests and and with the priests. Meaning you'd bring the animal, you'd transfer your sins on it, the priests would kill it, they would offer it up, cook it, and then you'd sit and you'd have fellowship. You, 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 would, you would eat it. And the idea was it was a picture that you were, you were sitting down and having a meal with God. You're having communion with God, fellowship with God. So they would come to the tabernacle or temple, the place where God's presence uniquely dwelt, and they'd have a meal with God. And everything about it, all the temple uh, furnishings, all the sacrifices, everything about it is revealing something about God, pointing to God. And so in a very real sense, as they bring these offerings, they're they're coming into the presence of God and experiencing God in a unique way. Now, we don't go to the temple to offer up sacrifices, but we can still apply this principle. You see, we need to be in God's presence if we're going to see things the way that he does. We'll never see all that he's doing and Uh, We'll never be thankful for all that he's doing in our life if we're not spending time in his word and prayer every day, getting that godly vision, seeing things from God's perspective. 
We'll be stuck in our earthly vantage point and we won't have as much to give thanks for. So if we're going to have this vision, we need to give thanks for all the things we need to be getting into God's presence frequently. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now he's talking about, we, we know that the God is, the Lord is the one who made us. He's not talking about creation in the sense that God created each of us individually. Right, that, that, that's true and, and we should thank him for that. But no, it's talking about God creating the nation of Israel out of one couple, out of Abram and Sarah. He created this, this group, this community that is worshiping and thanking the Lord together. Exodus 4.22 says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Speaking of the fact that God gave birth to, to Israel. Israel is his son, belongs to God. Isaiah 66, 8 says, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Can a land be born in one day? Can a nation be brought forth all at once? As soon as Zion travailed, she also brought forth her sons. Right? Speaking of the way that God formed and made Israel. In our te text, they're thanking God as they are corporately coming together to give thanks and worship. Right? There needs to be a, a corporate element to our thanksgiving. Notice they use the words us and we. Right? It, 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 it says, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. They're coming together corporately. God didn't just create us and save us to be individuals and have this individual relationship with us. No, he created us to be a corporate body. You know the ironic blessing, that blessing that Pastor Bob prays over us on Wednesday nights? You know, I, I can't find anywhere in the Old Testament where that was ever pronounced over an individual. It was given to the high priest when, to pronounce over the people when they came together corporately. There's some blessings that we're only going to experience when we're coming by faith together corporately before God and being thankful and worshiping him. In other words, when we get into God's presence, we realize he is God and that we are his people, that we are a part of his covenant community. And we need that. We need to be a part of a community. We need to be a part of a body because we need each other to hold us in line with the chief cornerstone. I love this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 where Peter says this in verse 5, You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. If you think about stones, right, maybe consider like a brick wall. A brick doesn't just float kind of independently of itself, just kind of in space. No, there's bricks underneath it. There's bricks around it. It's being supported by other bricks, which are holding it in line with the chief cornerstone. And we need each other if we're going to be held in line with Christ and, and, and that we're going to see what Christ is doing and we're going to be thankful for what Christ is doing in our life. We need each other to keep pointing ourselves, pointing each other back to Christ and, and showing us how much we have to be thankful for. 
So there's a, a corporate element to this. Number five, our thanksgiving is tied to who God is in our relationship with him. Notice how God describes his care for his people as shepherds care for the sheep. Right, this makes me think of Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, David is reflecting on the shepherd's care for him. Right? And in a real sense, David is really just boasting about a shepherd, everything that a shepherd does for him. But did you know that we could take Psalm 23 and use it as a template for Thanksgiving? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All those blessings that he was for David, he, he, he's that today. If we'll look at it and, and recognize those in our life, we could see that we could be thankful for them. For instance, we could be thankful because a shepherd provides for his sheep. David said that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That the shepherd protects his sheep. Right? We could be thankful for God's protection in, his, in our lives. It says your rod and your staff, they protect me. They comfort me. A shepherd guides and leads the sheep. You guide me by side still waters and to green pastures. A, step, a shepherd heals the sheep. Right? He, he restores my soul. So we could go through Psalm 23 and we could look at all these things that the good shepherd does for us and turn around and thank God for those in our life. We could look for, how's this true in my life? And start giving thanks for that. So we could always be thankful for who God is and the relationship that we have for him. But verse 6 gets into some other aspects of who God is and why we could give thanks for him. We see that the Lord is good, right? Good as opposed to evil. The creation account, we see that all of God's creative works are good. Whatever is good in our life and in this world is good because of him, and we should thank him for it. We see that his loving kindness is everlasting. Loving kindness is the word said. It's kind of the Old Testament version of the word grace. In other words, his grace never runs out. It's everlasting. There's always going to be enough grace. Whenever I need grace, he has plenty. Grace isn't some stuck on some ship out in San Pedro. No, it's, it's always available. And we can come boldly to receive it. That's something to be thankful for. His faithfulness to all generations. Right? What God has said is just as true and available to us today as it was thousands of years ago. God will continue to be faithful and to save and to keep those that belong to him. He will be faithful to raise us up on the last day. Christ's faithfulness is something we could be thankful for. Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and loving kindness, grace, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's much to be thankful for when your shepherd is the good shepherd. Right here, letter C, to close it out, we'll look at a few examples God's given us of people to give thanks. Um, the first one is even Jesus thanked God. Fill in the word Jesus. We'll look at a few of the ways that Jesus thanks God in the New Testament. He thanked God for revealing himself and his plans to us. 
In Matthew 11, 25 and 20 through 27, Jesus says at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except for the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son wills to reveal him. Right? So whenever somebody's getting saved, or the people that we know that are saved, we could be thankful that God has revealed himself to them, that he is continually revealing himself in his plan to us. Jesus thanked God for provision, so we could thank God for ours. So fill in the word provision. Matthew 15, 36, said he took the seven loaves and the fish, and giving thanks, he broke them and started giving them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. What I find interesting about this is there wasn't even close to enough. Remember, there was two little sardines and five crackers and probably 20,000 people. Jesus gives thanks. You know, he could have just made more fish, snapped his finger and just put it there. No, he gave thanks for what he did have. I think if we could learn to thank God for what we have, we'll find that we usually have enough. Right? Why, why is God going to give us more if we're not thankful for what we, we do have? Or what did Jesus say? He who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. But if you're not faithful with the little, why, why should God give you more? So you may have this huge need, right? And you get a little bit, not all of it, right? Well, give thanks for what you do have. And I guarantee you, God will multiply it. God will expand it. Jesus thanked God for his sacrifice. So we could thank God for his sacrifice. Fill in the word sacrifice. The night he was betrayed at the Last Supper, Jesus thanked God for the bread and the cup of communion. This bread and cup was a, a picture of him. And, and, and his death on the cross. And, and he was giving thanks to God for that before it even happened. It's amazing. In Matthew 26, 26, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after blessing, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Right? Jesus was thankful for his own suffering. And this shows us that we could be thankful for the painful things in our lives as well. Because we know that God's going to redeem it. He's going to bring good out of it. He's going to Genesis 50, 20 it. I got this, this little silver ring I like to wear. I got it made when I was in Israel, and it just says Joseph on it, Yosef in Hebrew. And and I got it really to remind me of of, of Joseph in the Bible, in Genesis 50, 20, that God takes the things that the world means for evil, and he uses them for good. So when Israel gets attacked, and, uh, you know, my, my, my friends' lives are in danger, and everybody's stressed out, I could look at that, and I could say, you know what? God's going to bring good out of it. 
is. I could thank God for it because I know that he's sovereign over it and he is good and he is a God who redeems. Next, thank God for hearing your prayers. This is amazing to me. When Jesus comes to Lazarus' funeral, remember, they call him, hey, the one who you love is sick. And he waits three days. He makes sure that Lazarus is good and dead before they get there. He gets there. He deals with Mary and Martha. And then he says, hey, take me to the grave. And they're like, hey, you, you don't want to open this. He's been dead for four days. He stinketh. And he's like, open it. And he walks up there. And listen to what he says. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was laying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha said, Lord, by this time there will be a stench for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, I did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you have sent me. When was the last time you thank God that he hears your prayers? It's not something I usually think of thanking him for. That we have the privilege of talking to the ruler of the universe. That's pretty amazing. When do we thank God because he talks to us? How many of us, when we leave church every Sunday, on our way home, do we thank God for receiving our worship and for speaking to us? Or do we just take it for granted? So Jesus was a man of thanksgiving. Jesus is God, the sovereign ruler of the universe. And he was thankful. Real quick, we'll look at Paul. Number two, Paul was a man of thanksgiving. Thank God for grace given. Fill in the word given. 1 Corinthians 1.4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Uh, thank God for his grace and other believers, fill in other believers. This is harder to do, right? To, to look around and see the way that God is blessing and using somebody else in the body of Christ and to, to thank God for that. Thank God that he's gifting other people, not just you. Paul did that. Colossians 1 Verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love with which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in the world, and is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it had been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God and truth. I was like, I'm thanking God because you're saved, because you're gifted, because God's using you. You're, you're bearing fruit for God, and, and I'm just so thankful for that. I might not see that fruit. I might not be the, the blessed by that fruit, but I'm thankful because you're producing fruit for God. In every single one of Paul's epistles, we read something like this. Paul was constantly thanking God 
for what God was doing in other believers and churches. Thank God for the spiritual graces God has given us. Fill in spiritual graces. Paul thanked God for the spiritual gifts and graces and other people, but he also thanked it for in his own life. He says in uh, First Corinthians 1, he says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you had reached in him and all speech and knowledge, even the testimony concerning Christ confirmed in you that you're not lacking any gift, eagerly awaiting the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He'd go on to thank God for his own spiritual gifts. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, he says in. 1 Corinthians 14, 18. And so we could look around the church and we could thank God for the way that he's moving, saving people and gifting people and using people and bearing fruit. But we could also thank God for the future graces he's promised us. Fill in the word future. This is really important. Sometimes it's going to be really hard in our situations to be thankful. It's going to be really hard to have a heart of gratitude because of the loss, the suffering that we're in. But we can always give thanks for future graces. In Philippians 1, 3, Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who has began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ. He's like, hey, right now, you know, you're suffering. It's pretty bleak. But I could thank God because I know that one day you'll be perfected. One day this will all be taken care of. One day everything will be made right. And I believe this is something that we need to put more focus on. In fact, John Piper has a book called Future Graces all about this. You see, when my knee hurts, I could thank God that I have a new body awaiting me. When I miss my friend in heaven, I could thank God that one day we will be reunited. When a horrible injustice is done to me, I could thank God that one day he will be vindicated. When I'm sad, I could thank him that one day there will be no more tears. You see, heaven is coming. The millennium is coming. The, the, the righteous rule of Christ is coming. Everything's going to be made right. Everything that's wrong, every hurt, every tear, every pain, every injustice is going to be made right. It's going to be made perfect. And, and, and we know that because God has told us that. And we can give thanks for that, even on our worst moments. So when we look at the way our Lord and the great apostle gave thanks, we can conclude that thanksgiving is suitable for any and all situations. And, and, and there's this poem that I found that really encapsulates this well. So I want to read it to you. O thou whose bounty fills my cup with every blessing meet, I give thee thanks for every drop, the bitter and the sweet. I praise thee for thy desert road and for thy riverside. For thy goodness hath bestowed, and all thy grace denied. I thank thee for both smile and frown, 
and for the gain and loss. I praise thee for thy future crown and thy present cross. I thank thee for both wings of love, which stirred my worldly nest, and for the stormy clouds, which drove me trembling to thy breast. I bless thee for thy glad increase and for the waning joy. And for this strange, this settled peace, which nothing can destroy. I think that's beautiful. One last thing, I'll close with this. Uh, you know that Thanksgiving hasn't always been celebrated in, in America. In fact, there was almost a hundred year period where it wasn't celebrated. And it was because of really one woman that it became what it is today. Uh, Thanksgiving might not be celebrated in the United States today if it were not for a patient, persistent woman named Sarah Hale. It is well known that the first Thanksgiving Day was celebrated by the Pilgrim Fathers in 1621 to give thanks for their new winter in the New World. In 1789, President George Washington issued a Thanksgiving Day proclamation to commemorate the first Pilgrim celebration. But Thomas Jefferson, the third president of the United States, discontinued it. He called Thanksgiving a kingly practice. After this, Thanksgiving was observed by some individual states and on whatever day suited their fancy. There was no universal practice of Thanksgiving across America. Then in 1828, Miss Hale, the editor of the magazine Godey's Ladies Book, an author of the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb, began campaigning for the restoration of Thanksgiving as a national holiday. She wrote letters and sought appointments with national leaders from the president down. Time after time, she was politely rebuffed, sometimes being told it's impossible and impractical, and sometimes being dismissed with, this is none of your business, scolding. Finally, in 1863, President Lincoln listened seriously to her plea that the North and the South lay aside enmities and strife on Thanksgiving Day. He proclaimed that the fourth Thursday of November to be the official national Thanksgiving Day. This was finally ratified in the U.S. Constitution in 1941. And my encouragement to you is to be like Sarah Hale. Be all about Thanksgiving. Be persistent about it. Push it. This society isn't going to like it. People around here, I mentioned that as we get closer and closer to the last days, that less and less people are going to be thankful. They're not going to like it. It's not going to fit in. But be obsessed about it. Push it. Be all about Thanksgiving. And who knows what God will do. Right? But you could be as faithful as Sarah Hale. And ultimately, that's what God's going to judge us on. That's what he's going to reward us for. Right? Is our faithfulness. We all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's not about the results. It's not about you getting the United States to start giving thanks the way that Sarah Hill did, but it's about you being faithful and causing the change that you can, being faithful with what God's put in front of you. So let's start giving thanks. Let's make Thanksgiving a bigger part of our vocabulary. And I guarantee you, you'll start seeing God working in greater ways in your life. You'll be filled with more joy and, and, and it'll spill over. You'll start seeing the people around you becoming more and more thankful as well. Amen. So God, I do thank you. We thank you for, for all of these things. There's so much more that we could be thankful for. 
we ask that you would teach us how to be better givers of thanks, that you would open our eyes to all the ways that you're working, all the ways that we could bless and thank you for. Lord, I, I pray that we would just become better at that, that <laughs> we would be thankful people, Lord. And I pray that you would use that for your kingdom, that it would open doors for ministry, for witnessing, and for whatnot, Lord. I thank you that you've allowed us to be here, that you've brought some people back to us, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in this group, and we look forward to what you have for us in this coming weeks of celebrating your son and the incarnation, Lord. Help us to lift that up, Lord, and to redeem the time for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys.